fucking sit, babes. Start your sublight engines. It's time for Boop Helps Padres, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to our spooky Andor discussion this week about episode eight, Narkina 5. I'm Noah, my pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is, I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. Technically missing. <gasps> oh my God. Dead. <laughs> I should have predicted this. Cheating, oblivious husband will go to prison for my murder. <laughs> Okay, if you so- couldn't tell, I am Amy Dunn. I'm wearing a nightgown, and I have this little thing she wore when, spoilers for Gone Girl, she murders Neil Patrick Harris in a rage. We will have pictures <laughs> posted on all of our social media, yeah. so you will be able to see this. Oh, Noah's wearing oh, a wig so as hell. Oh, shit. The reveal was everything. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, was so, are you, no, I was so excited. I was like, please, I have to start the monologue. Don't know what I'm doing. Also, guys, um, just so you know, this is our Halloween episode, so... Just so you know, Noah isn't just wearing a costume for no reason. Uh, yeah, I do love the idea of you just showing up in an Amy Dunn cosplay. My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. Um, and I'm Mel. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa uh, or on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. Um, and my pronouns are they, them. And our Halloween costume was a lot funnier on paper. We are Luxoka. <laughs> no, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh this is god. so painful. Uh, this is so I'm, dark. I am dressed as Lux Bonteri and Mel is dressed as Ahsoka. This is the greatest day of my life. Uh, first of all, Mel is slaying the house boots down. <laughs> okay, but also Ollie is also just kind of looking like um, what's that Theranos bitch's name? <laughs> it's actually a mixture of rebellion and Onderon, so <laughs> okay hi i'm jess uh, my pronouns are they them you can find me on social media at kawaii jessio and i'm uh i didn't actually think of <laughs> what to call myself i'm p Vanto. Pumpkin Eli Vanto. Oh, Eli Vanto with the pumpkin head, so true. I also this that's is that's what the N stands for. It's pumpkin. <laughs> pumpkin written backwards. Yeah, I love that. Oh. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, Jess is in their Eli Vanto cosplay with a pumpkin head. I'm so... obsessed with this. They're fighting for their life right now, trying to switch their Zoom name. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to type my Zoom name. Oh my god, this is too good. It's so hard to see. Hi, my name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-R-A says. And this week, um, I didn't have a costume because I was traveling, but then they helped me think of a costume, and I realized it's the most common thing in Star Wars that there is. Um, I am the collective brown-haired white woman uh, who is every Star Wars protagonist. Um, oh my god! I didn't have to dress up because I am always represented in Star Wars. Sort of, sort of an archetypal embodiment of an idea, a person. She's my mother. She's the sister everyone would want. I don't know a better person. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're Kathleen Kennedy's. <laughs> manic pixie dream girl yeah yeah i'm actually dressed as kathleen kennedy today i should put on like a <laughs> pantsuit okay so today we are gonna have our halloween episode of andor and we what is that noah mel wait 
there's something behind you. Oh my God, it's it's Deidre Miro. She's here to take you guys away. No, no, no. Oh and they're God. gone. Oh my God, she took them away for interrogation. I guess it's just going to be the three of us. Oh, oh, well, we'll have to continue on in their memory. Um, that we will. R.I.P. Rest in peace, R.I.P., they're not dead. All right. It's really sad about Mel and Noah. Yeah. But we'll go on. Nevertheless, we persisted. Just like Bix. Just like Bix. So, so true. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about Narkina 5 today. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to say to kick it off? Because I know I have some thoughts. Um, go. Something that I want to talk about about this show is pacing. Because the pacing of this show is superb. Um, I've seen plenty of people on Twitter talking about it, but the intercutting of Cassian being in this horrible, horrible prison experience with Mon Mothma at her little party, not to devalue the work that she is doing there, but it's kind of like when Luthen, I don't remember if it was this episode or the last episode, I think it was the last episode, where Mon was like, you know people are going to get hurt because of this, and he goes, oh, I'm counting on it. It's a really interesting juxtaposition because we see how the Coruscant elite are dealing with this, but then we see who the people that are actually at the receiving end of it are dealing with it. Like, I think that that's a really interesting juxtaposition and the pacing is done really, really well. Um, so it's funny because it's like, you know, someone like Luthen is not seeing the, seeing the, the remnants of what is being wrought. I think that's something that sets this show apart from Rebels, not in like a one is better than the other way, but in a style way, other than one being animated and one being for a younger audience. Because I've been comparing them a lot, but this has been, um, you know, in Rebels, we hear about other things happening and they eventually connect in, but we don't see them from the perspective. In Andor, we are very much switching. We are very much seeing one event from many perspectives through these different characters B plots um that's you know it's a very specific kind of writing and it's it's very interesting way that they did it but also like this is this the first episode written by Bo Willimon I I need to look it up um but these episodes it's very clear like these episodes are of all written are either written or directed by people who worked on House of Cards, The Crown, and The Americans, and you can very much tell um, because of this this palpable tension. I think I was I watched these episodes with my partner Claire, and we were talking about like, oh, I have such anxiety at the end of the episode. And we're like, wow, that is effective filmmaking because that is the feeling the characters are feeling, and you are feeling that that. Uh, feeling as well um and it's an interesting feeling to have at the end of an episode when it's not like cliff it's not the cliffhanger feeling it's the it's like the almost suspended note uh uh feeling and I was just like that is this is not only good Star Wars this is just good television <laughs> I want to bring up that I've seen some minor discourse I always kind of ignore it because for the entirety of the show so far I'm just like teehee here I am once a week to enjoy this. Now I'm going to um, close my eyes to anything else anyone is saying. Close my eyes, cover my ears. Um, but I have seen some discourse of people disagreeing with um, 
the pacing and being like, oh, this show's pacing is all over the place. And I I don't agree with that. Like you guys are saying, this, I feel like the pacing of the show is just right. I think it's just because a lot of people nowadays are used to more like fast paced stuff. Like how TikToks are all like really short videos. They try to condense everything into like one episode or like, you know, six episodes, like how Kenobi was like six episodes or like Book of Boba Fett was like what? Like, I don't even remember how many episodes Book of Boba Fett was. But like now with the longer formatting of shows again, or them trying to go back to like longer formatting seasons. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like some people are just kind of being a, a little mean there and being like, oh, it should all be like in one episode already or like two episodes. It doesn't have to be this slow of pacing. But mm. I think something good about the pacing, like how many times can we say pacing in five minutes? Someone, can we get a counter on that? <laughs> um, it is very but... funny because when there was a couple, there was like a sound and then they're like on program, which is the thing they keep saying in the episode. I kept thinking of the pacer test. Um, it when when they were like okay, like they they have to like keep doing their tasks Not faster. The I kept thinking test. of the fitness gram pacer test. So Cassie, anyway, that's a non sequitur. Cassie and Andor get rid of the Cassie and Andor is going to abolish the fitness gram pacer test. Um, <laughs> the fitness gram pacer test. Is, sorry. <laughs> um, but what I was gonna say is I think it's interesting because like we said like. A lot of people are complaining about this show for a myriad of reasons, and I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit as we go on. But I think that it's really good, like Claudia was saying, the tension is really being built and the, it's really suspenseful, which is funny because I think a lot of people equate suspense with like the more horror genre. But I, like, I don't think people realize how much the suspense is doing for their enjoyment of this show and how much the uncomfortable nature of what's happening is doing for the enjoyment of the show. Um, I just want to correct my earlier thing. So this episode um, was written by Bo Willimon, who created House of Cards. Um, and uh, it was directed by Toby Haynes, who I think also directed a couple of the other episodes. Um, but he also worked on um, Sherlock, <laughs> Doctor Who, and Black Mirror. <laughs> so, um, but also a lot of this show is produced in the UK. So like anybody who has, works in the film industry in the UK has worked on Doctor Who. So like put that aside. <laughs> Um, I just, I just find that, I, I find the DNA behind it very interesting. You know, I was also thinking with the reason why some of us can like sit through this, like besides having more patience and like appreciation for story being like built up instead of like thrown quickly at you is like some of us have to sit through a billion episodes of anime when growing up. So maybe... That's why I can deal with pacing like this. Some of y'all don't get actual filler episodes that have nothing to do with the plot for like several episodes. Anime prepared me for this. Y'all are weak. Y'all are weak. Well, and I mean, of the people who are sitting here right now, we're all, especially Ollie, Clone Wars fans. And I always say Clone Wars, the Clone Wars is lovingly lovingly structured much like anime i am um i okay also so... i do i do like you singling me out and being like oh a known clone wars fan i like the idea that it's like you make it sound like that's like my favorite piece of Star Wars <laughs> <media>. <laughs> I, I, 
people kind of on the podcast. Out. Yeah, like you. Well, it is to be fair. It is because I watched it as a. It is because I watched it a lot as a child. But it is just funny the way Claudia just said that. Like, wow, I guess some people are Clone Wars fans. <laughs> I know that's not how she said it, but it is funny. But yeah, I do agree. I feel like. There are certain arcs in the Clone Wars. Like, okay, you know what arc in the Clone Wars I feel like is very reminiscent of this? Is the Racco Hardeen Bounty Hunters arc? Absolutely. Oh my like, God, yes. like, like the pacing is very similar in the way well, that it's Because like, he's in prison? He, well, okay, yes, but also Where's White like, Boba Fett? <laughs> I think his name is Cyril. <laughs> Don't say that about Boba. I, I need to say some things about Cyril Karn. Continue. Me will. But um, I think that there's actually a lot of similarities there because it's like this character that we know is meeting a bunch of other brand new characters who we don't know and is having to go through these trials and having to do all this stuff. Meanwhile, there's the people in the high tower on Coruscant who are debating their own thing, like with the Jedi Council and with then like Obi-Wan on the ground. Like, I think it's just an interesting juxtaposition. I don't know why that just like came to my head. Well, I think it comes back to the idea that I kept thinking about with Andor of, like, this show brings Star Wars, like, it is the most Star it brings Star Wars back. Like, I saw someone on Tumblr talking about how, like, when they were a kid and they watched Empire Strikes Back for the first time, one of the scariest scenes is when they torture Han Solo, um, and he's like, and, I, and Leia's like, what did they do to you? What did they ask you? And he's like, they didn't even ask me any questions, and it really, like, bring Star Wars back to that and how like real that was and what that meaning was but we've but we also we know that there's stuff like that in the Clone Wars era and stuff like that and it's also interesting because this episode was the first time we had known characters show up um of Cassian himself we had Melshi shout out to Melshi from Rogue One but we also had Saw Gerrera Nation we, okay, we need to discuss Saw No, Gerrera, we're winning. We're winning, guys. We're winning. This is the first time Saw has been respected properly on screen in a long oh, time. Literally. Possibly ever. Okay. No, because this is so funny. When Luthen was giving his little speech, I kept saying shit like, oh, okay. And then Saw would say the exact same thing two seconds later. I was like, I was so excited. I was like, my homeboy is here and he is serving and he is exactly he, who I know he is. He's slipping. Also... So, uh, I mean, we've talked we talked about this a little bit with, like, Nemec's little speech and their little thing, but for them to bring back up when he was like, I don't think, for them to bring back leftist discourse as a continuous thing, when he's like, I don't think these bitches are going to want to talk to each other. I was like, I love how they're consistently like, yeah, the girls are always fighting. And when, and like, I was like, did they just make a joke about anarchists? In, a, in Star Wars? <laughs> no, okay, when 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 Luthan's like, oh, well, it must be nice having the privilege of being an anarchist. So I was like, I live in a fucking cave. Like, why do you think I'm privileged right now? Like, what no. the fuck is wrong with you? Forrest Whitaker deserves an Emmy for what the look that he gave him after that, where he was like, no, seriously. He was like, be fucking for real right now. He was like, do you want to know what happened to my sister on Onderon? Because I will fucking tell you right now. This is another thing I love about Saw. Luthen, I feel like this whole time I was saying earlier is like, I think that Luthen makes a lot of very good points, like very interesting points about saying like, in order to spark a rebellion, the Empire has to press down. Like we need to incentivize them to start showing their true colors so that we can get people to join the cause. But that does, like, the people on top are often being like, well, in order to make an omelet, you have to crack a few eggs. And those eggs being like, regular people who are facing the effects so saw being like hey girl are you dumb like 
I respect that you're doing that, but also like, let's play a game called Think of the Consequences. You are in your little ivory tower, my homeboy. I don't know. What's hmm. what's interesting though is is that traditionally Saw has been that character, whether we are in books or whatever, to be like, yeah, I'm, I I want to provoke the empire. Literally, I want to provoke the empire so people will start to rise up and that kind of thing. And I don't care about the consequences. But he's coming at it from a different perspective than the like the Luthan thing of like, well, when you look at it from above, kind of deal. And it was very interesting to see like him. It, it was interesting to see Saw kind of object to it not just because of the moral thing seesaw (laughs) object to it because of the moral thing not just the moral stuff but for him to be like i don't think that's an effective strategy like and i said this about mon mothma last week as well like yes they both have their moral things for her she was scared because she was like she has her moral reservations but then she's scared because she's like i've been operating in the shadows so long and this could put everything in jeopardy for saw he's also a strategic person and he's like He's been doing shit like that for a while, being a guerrilla fighter and pissing people off. And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how well that's going to work for you. Cause I, I don't cite the deep magic to me, which like, he literally was like, I, I have been doing this for a bit. Like, um, I also like that he, he was like, yeah, I, 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 I know, I know how this works. I know more than everybody. I felt so validated because Saw is always that character. We talked about this in, like, our first couple episodes when we had the, like, remember when we had the spectrum of, like, characters who know what the fuck is going on in Star Wars from, like, mm-hmm. oh my Maul gosh. to Saw? <laughs> yeah, I do remember the that. The Bendu, yeah. Yeah, and then he literally says it in this episode. And it's, I will say, and it's also, like, a part of the irony of, like, we know Cassian dies because of the Death Star, and we also know that Saw is one of the only people who figures out the Death Star before it happens, other than Thrawn. Um, so, and I have a theory that the things that they are building in that prison are a part of the Death Star. It would be quite poetic, probably. See, um, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Mel did look and was like, those look like ATAT feet. And that's what I thought they were as they well. They look like structural supports to me. I feel like it could be anything at this point. They, they look too small to be ATAT feet. <laughs> to be fair, why, why are you looking at ATAT feet so much? There Speaking was a, of a feet, lot of feet. there was so many feet in this episode, and I'm so glad everyone collectively is just like, put those grippers away. What's happening here? No, because was... when they when they did start taking their shoes off, I was like, they're gonna do that for free. <laughs> I Diego I the feet for free. Damn. Thanks, I want to know what's Tor. what's fucked up in Tony Gilroy's mind or in Bo Willimon's mind that made them think of this concept for a prison. I'm like unless you've got an inspiration for it from real life or whatever like there is something fucked up in your brain like incredible storytelling you're doing here and like the metaphors and etc on there are things that are real that are sort of like that as well but like um what the fuck is going on in your brain to to think of that one holy jesus god yeah like freaking fucked up floor that will like electrocute you until you possibly pass away also, I know it's like this is really dumb when they first came out wearing their their little padded shoes. Was, they look nothing like moon shoes, but my my brain was like, oh my god, moon I shoes! Did. <laughs> I wear moon shoes. I literally said, Emp- "Okay, Empire moon shoes." The slow horror of watching them be like, "Okay, take off your shoes," and then seeing the other one, uh, the 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 other ones, the guards all wearing special shoes, and then being like, "Okay." 
and then him being like oh we don't do we treat people well here and whatever we just do one thing here and like how they stretch that out and you're like you're trying to figure out on your brain and they're like yeah so we just electrocute the floor and you're like whoa like they 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 again they take the floor out from under you just like they kind of do for the characters themselves and like i felt that like long stretch of like puzzlement the same way that cassian did and we watched cassian disassociate in real time shout out to the acting there (laughs) jesus christ all of them like we've said this before all the actors in the show are like acting their asses off but especially like diego luna because like i really felt cassian in that moment of like i am in a bad situation and i'm just gonna recede into my own head because this is a bad place this is literally the bad place andy circus is like i don't have to be in a mocap suit i am going for the jugular with the acting i was like holy shit because i have been saying this andy circus is an incredible actor and i think people always think of like oh he's like the guy who does all the special effects and he's fucking amazing at that but he's also just like a really good actor like he really i i feel like andy circus also like really got this role like he understood understood the assignment he knew what he was there to do and what he was trying to get across and he did it fabulously like you really do get i think a really big thing in this episode is it shows how oppressive systems play oppressed people against each other to maintain power and andy circus like bodied that energy they really hammered home the this is an amazon warehouse um i mean it is also prison labor but like this is an amazon warehouse um it was I, I need people, I said this when I was, I said this when I was a guest on Graphic Policy Radio, but I was like, guys, I need you to understand, yes, the Empire is Nazis, but they are mostly the United States. I need people to understand that, because just because we don't have prison labor that looks like this, it is literally this. Like, uh... Oh, are you saying Amazon? As someone who did briefly work at Amazon, like, a couple years ago... Yeah, you're right. It's just like you have to get a certain quota of things done as fast as possible or you get in trouble. And uh, oh, God, now I'm going back to a bad place, too. Jess in their Cassian era? Oh, my God, Jessian? No. Um, no, I think that it really does do a fabulous job of getting across like it's also like it really does get across that like almost like the anxiety and the like when Cassian dissociates and starts like kind of getting into his own head you really like it it almost like tricks you because when he starts doing that I remember I was watching and I started to get like angry at him because I was like Cassian your whole team is gonna and then I realized that that's like the point is like it's actively pitting you against him and pitting him against them and pitting everyone against each other and it's like it's a very brilliant technique in both direction writing and acting. One thing that I really have liked about the production, the production design is very purposeful in this show. I think production design is a big piece of what makes Star Wars really great in general. Um and they have really just continued that here, but I mean a big thing a lot of people have pointed out is like for the prison, it is like stark white. It is meant to make you feel like you are out of time and place. Um you have no access to the outside world really um and it's like meant to make you feel crazy um 
And what was interesting that I noticed about that was like, yes, we have, you know, we got AP5 joking about, ah, yes, the clean lines of an Imperial spaceship is what I always think of. Um, but also we have the scenes with Deidre interrogating um, Cyril Bitch, um, also in a very white, stark environment. And then we also have um, in uh, Mon Mothma's apartment, it's also very white. There's there's like there's there's decoration, sure, but it's like very like superficial. Um, and it makes it, it's like, oh, no matter where we are, the empire, the empire is always there and it's, you're in this like fucked up little prison, no matter where you are, whether it is the literal prison or like, you know, the gilded cage that Mon Mothma's in or whatever. I was like, oh, this is very specific. Or like the ISB is its own little fucked up place. Like I was like, oh, this is very purposeful when they use the white, um, which is interesting because, like, if you go back to, like, Empire Strikes Back, for example, and you look at, like, Vader's little egg or whatever, like, everything around is black and then he goes into the, like, the stark white of the egg. Those of you who know, who have read the Vader comics know that also, like, they built Vader's suit to purposely torture him and make him feel more pain so that he would be more powerful in the dark side. That was Palpatine's whole thing. And I just was thinking about, like, oh, even the environment where he goes to, like, be in less pain for a second where he can take off the mask is that like stark white will drive you crazy kind of deal I'm like anyway I love when all of Star Wars is consistent I'm just saying um because even watching it for too long of a time I felt crazy um but I did I did want to talk about the prisoner solidarity and how it was like already as almost already established like they had the they had the signal thing they had the signal that basically they had sign language they are already had networks set up and how how interesting that is because usually you have a character dropped in um and they don't ha like you know they're the ones who instigate a riot or whatever but like there was already forms of solidarity that were already there and that was very interesting to me it also reminded me of the boiling rock from avatar because that, that prison is supposed to be, like, very inaccessible. You have to fly in to get there. Um, it's in the middle of water. Um, and it's supposed to be, like, you know, the worst prison or that kind of thing. It's not a work prison. Um, but there was a lot of pieces that reminded me of it in a way. Um, you know, and when we're in the, when we're in the, the, in the, in the Boiling Rock episodes, we have the, like, they're like, oh, she needs to get a prison riot. And they're like, oh, we're already friends. Sure. Yeah, we'll do it to, to start start fights or whatever. What was interesting, like, here we have the same thing of, like, they already have forms of solidarity and communication between them. Um, despite, you know, the Empire pitting them all against each other. Um, I, just found, I just found it interesting. Anyway, shout out to Avatar. <laughs> so to pivot away... Something I did want to talk about is there are two other, like, plots going on in this episode. Um, one is what's going on on Ferrix with um, Bix, uh, Marva, Brazo, uh, and also Velencinta are there. And motherfucker, we are going to talk about Velencinta. <laughs> um, but there's also stuff going on with Deidre and Cyril, which is truly off the shits. So do we have one we want to go with first? 
I need to discuss Valencia. I need to. Okay, no, because I have to. I must. I every time I'm like, maybe it was a joke. Maybe they're not actually. You know, maybe it's just like they're just queer baiting me. But no, Cinta is literally like, you love me because I show you what you need to see. Like, you, like I just, I, like, I'm losing my mind at the express fact that they have, like, not only held hands, not only sit in a very, like, been in physically a very, like, intimate setting, but also, like, vocally expressed that they love each other. Like, that is, it is driving me crazy. And also, apparently, someone brought up there is an interview with um, Diego Luna where he is, him and Felicity Jones are talking about the relationship between Cassian and Jin and how he says, like, yeah, um, he, he, like, I don't know how he phrases it, but he's like, oh, like, she loves him because he's a mirror or something like that. Like, it's it's almost the exact same wording. And you're like, hello? Um and also, as soon as Velcinta, Bel- shout out to their ship name, was talking, they reminded me so much of Hera and Kanan. I was like, to see that they let gay people, like, I was like, this is how straight people have operated before. You know what this is like? This is like how when we saw Finn Poe and we were like, yeah, they're clearly boyfriends and they have telegraphed things that have occurred previously in Star Wars with them too. So when are they going to kiss? And then it didn't happen. And then this time they went, but they are gay. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how I can handle this one. <laughs> no, it's insane. It's truly like, I mean, and not just because of the the lesbian agenda, but like they are truly two of the highlights of this show for me. Like every time either one of them is on the screen, I am like, I get like so engaged. <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also just like, I think it's hilarious that Vela's like, okay, I did my job on um, Aldani. I need to take a fucking break. Cinta, let's just like take a break. Let's just do it. Whatever. It's just like Thoreau. It's like, well, if you don't want, don't participate in society or whatever. And Cinta being like, girl, baby girl, we need to do our job. Cinta being like, fascism never sleeps. Yeah. It's just- Yeah, also her calling Vela being like, well, you know, we can't all be like little rich girls who like don't have to who are just running away from their families no because she is absolutely luthan's daughter right like, yeah oh, this, this like was no way this, she's not luthan's daughter yeah this that that moment i was like oh she really is luthan's daughter like they they gotta be telegraphing this like it's, it's gotta be like no, because I did say it in, like, the first episode that she that Vel showed up, and I was like, she is probably Luthan's daughter, right? Like, as a joke, and then it continued to happen. I was like, oh, I thought I was just making a joke because they're two white people talking to each other, but now I'm like, oh, no, that I think that... The dots are connecting. The you, dots are connecting. Like, she, a rich girl oh. who ran away from her family. And I Luthan also... seems rich. I also saw, like, a, a parallel that someone on Twitter posted, and I hate that I can't remember who it was, but it was Vel sitting on that, like, transport leaving after talking to Cinta versus Luthen on the transport coming into Ferrix to, like, collect Cassian. Yeah. And it showed, yeah. it was, like, framed the exact same way. I'm like, oh, girlies, they are setting something up. The cinematography popped off. Yeah, I, it is kind of crazy that, like, we we have they're like yeah you know what in one fell swoop 
you are getting an examination of prison labor and also lesbians. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down, slow down. Um, also on Ferrix, homegirl, Bix Kayleen, you are slaying. You've never done anything wrong in your entire life. I'm so sorry that the narrative continues to punch you. Also, Deidre Miro. The girlies are obsessed with her. And I mean, I think she's a girl boss, but she's like a girl boss derogatory. I think... Here's the, here's my Price thing. Price would be so obsessed no, with her. No, Price would... No, because Price would hate her because she is like a woman in a field where she, you're meant to be pit against other women. So she would hate her so much because she has what she wants. Yeah, but, I, but but they would be a hate-love situation. Like, they, they oh, would I, hate each other, but then they would kiss. It's Well, it's the thing of confusing budding respect for hatred that women yeah. often have in the workplace. Yeah. And I think that is it. But what is really funny to me is that I'm like, at least Price is camp. <laughs> Deidre's just crazy. I will say it's not, Deidre's but... assistant is camp. I think he's camp. Okay. It was really camp when Deidre, it's, this is, none of this is camp, by the way, guys. We know, we know we're overusing camp and using it in the wrong way. But it was camp when, <laughs> when Cyril was like, please, I was really good at my job. And she goes, okay, can you fuck off? I'm leaving. <laughs> Like, that was Slay. That made me laugh really hard. When he was just like, I was I was so good at my job. I, like, deserve to, like, be able to, like, work on this and, like, help. I can help you find Cassian. And she's just like, mm-hmm, okay, bye. Forget this ever happened. And if if you don't, that's not on me anymore. Whatever the fuck happens to you, go fucking cry about it. And I was just like, come on, cry, you piece of shit. He's acting, he's acting his ass off, I gotta say, because, God, he's so pathetic, I want to kick him in the face. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to shove a boot into Cyril Karn's jaw. It's insane. But here's the thing. He'd be into it. Like, it's clear that that's what gets him off. So wait, no, no, no. He doesn't like to lick boot. He wants to eat the shoe hold leather. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that Cyril Karn is just so repressed that this is it, this is his repression coming out in a way like he's absolutely trying to get stepped on he's yes. like i'm trying so hard for someone okay, to punish right. me because it's a kink number 1 number 1 he oh, he's got huge mommy issues number 1 and number 2 he's like really into authority and you're like oh you're into some weird shit <laughs> no cuz this is something where I saw this tweet, and this tweet is like, it's what I think about all the time, and it's not characteristic. I, I realize that it's very broadly stereotyping, so don't take this as law. But it was like, daddy issues will mess you up, but mommy issues will turn you into a psychopath. And I think about that a lot, and that is very Cyril Karn. So true. I think about that fucking tweet or whatever the fuck a lot also. It might have been a Tumblr post. Then, after that, cringe little interaction she's like oh this cringe fail man then she's like i'm gonna go torture people on ferrix for fun deidre girl you're on my shit list something that i did think um was hilarious about deidre <laughs> is it's very much i don't listen i don't think that this is the career path that she's on but it's very much giving callus letting quizzy torture kanan in season at the end of season one of rebels <laughs> is this oh season one God. or season two is that not no, season, season one, one. quizzy yeah. still alive yeah yeah because vader and like all that stuff that happens with because, maul is at yeah. the end of season two of rebels yeah Ugh, i just Anyway, um, but also 
Can we talk about the solidarity and, like, the community on Ferrix? Because the way that Bix and Brazo are like, Marva, Cassian is gone, but we are still going to take care of you. Like, you are still our Slay Queen. They're like, it's not Cassian's mom. It's our mom. <laughs> but also, that was a thing that- Conrad, was... Marva, let's go. Literally. Um, but, I mean, I will say that was one thing I was scared uh, that I was like, oh, are we going to have this? Of, like, you know- Cassian's activism coming from his community kind of thing you know obviously for Latino representation all this kind of stuff but like the fact that it wasn't just like oh the hero goes off and does his whole thing and never comes back we consistently come back to Ferrix and that there's real shit happening on Ferrix um and that the people in his community still matter not just like to him but to the narrative um and that we're showing like what is happening through through the community and how they take care of each other. I was like, I, I, I love being pleasantly surprised by Star Wars. I was like, oh, wow, this is phenomenal. Can we talk about some more of the consequences of um, the actions that happen on Aldani? Like Cassie, you know, being brought in and then when they go to their little barracks and they're all just like, what did they say on the outside like you know about what's going on and Cassian kind of also having to like realize that yeah he helped cause this or why he's being held in this prison for way longer than he should be and why all these other people are also being forced to be in this prison longer is part of the consequences of them rebelling and stealing the money on Aldani because it was really fucked up no, it is like a, like a, like, karma in real time. And it's like, I don't think that it's like, oh, he deserves what happens, but it's really interesting seeing him again. And this is a really interesting through line, I think. In the episode after the heist, we see Luthen like cheering and being all excited. And again, we see Luthen being happy because like the restrictions are rising and that's a good thing for our cause. And then we see Cassian, who was both at this heist and is now in this prison, experiencing the fallout as a person that someone like Luthen is celebrating. And again, I'm not saying that Luthen is wrong or that Luthen shouldn't be, like, pleased with how this is affecting his agenda. But I think it's just a really, really interesting, interesting juxtaposition. And sometimes I do worry that, like, I always worry with situations like this where it tries to show like, oh, well, the revolutionary is the revolutionary is bad or the revolutionary sh is is a rich person who doesn't understand the consequences. And I don't think that's what's being set up. But um, it's interesting because I'm always afraid of that happening. So it's very refreshing to see it being treated with way more nuance than I expected. I think that's the big thing with this show is that like it has the time and it not just it doesn't just have the time. It takes the time to have that nuance, um, because I feel like especially with Mon Mothma, when we've seen her before in Rebels, when we've seen her before in other stuff, they kind of paint her as the one who's like not a neolib because she's not, but like to paint her as the more moderate one or whatever. And it's like it's not that she's the more moderate one at all, or that any of them are the more moderate one. They are all just disagree on the tactics. Um, and it feels more realistic, it feels more nuanced, it feels more, um, I don't know, it feels more realistic. I mean, it definitely makes her seem like a more realistic person. At her and Saw, like, 
Because that's a big issue with, with her and Saw and Rebels. And to be fair, that is these characters later on. This is at the beginning of the five years before the Battle of Yavin. But it is, it's a much more nuanced take on their disagreements or, you know, than, you know, oh, well, these guys are just more radical than these guys. And it's like, no, it's not somebody is more radical than other. It's, it's you know, everyone is having to make sacrifices. What sacrifices are they choosing to make? Um, and also for Cassian, like, this is like radicalization on fucking overdrive. Just like he's experiencing, it's like another one, another one, another one. Like, no wonder he is hard fucking core. <laughs> This is something else I'm just thinking of now that we're talking about it. Another, like, other people who are experiencing this live is, like, what happened with Bix, where she's like, we helped you, you need to come help us. And then Clea being like, Luthen, we have to shut this down. Like, this is going, like, not because I want to, not because I want to, like, abandon them, but because we don't have a choice right now. Like, this is too dangerous. Like, seeing those hard choices being made while also seeing, like, the consequences, like, seeing Bix in that tube, like, freaking out because she can't get through was, like, heartbreaking. I also, this might have just been the acting in that scene, but, like, Clea didn't seem like, like a heartless person when she did that. She was just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want you to be real right now. You have put not only us, but them in danger by keeping this open. And she's like, you need to, like, not just like keep your eyes on because I feel like there's always in fiction there's always there's that one person who's like you got to keep your eyes on the prize and they're the cold person or whatever she doesn't feel like that she feels like she's like you need to do what is safest for everybody and it's not because you're a bad person um and I know it's 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 interesting and I I think that's the piece is like everyone's like oh this is the grittier show whatever but I'm like but these people they're very human and they seem to care so much. Like, especially with Mon Mothma, like, you know, they you still see how much these people care a lot, even when it's, like, supposed to be dark and gritty, which, again, that might be the acting. Just phenomenal. There's the little plot also with the ISB trying to find Luthen, or rather calling him Access, you know, being like, oh, the man who was with Cassian Andor, he's probably a central part to this growing little rebellion. I was like, oh, that? yeah. Axis? That sounds a lot like Fulcrum. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, I know when the word Fulcrum is mentioned in this show, I I will be the fan that is being serviced. I will scream cry and fucking throw up. Um, I do love the fact that it's like, it's like the off-brand version of Fulcrum because the ISB is going in the wrong direction. I just think that's funny. What is everyone's final thoughts? I can say I thought this was like a very solid, concise episode. I think the direction was really, really good. I think the framing in this show is also really good. Because like Claudia was saying, no character in this show feels like, aside from like the actual villains, no one feels like a villain. And even the ones who are villains have understandable motivations and not understandable in a way that's like oh i see where they're coming from but a way that's like i see how they got here and why they are acting like this they're not just evil to be evil they're evil because they hold certain beliefs which is so important because some people watch things and really don't get it i don't know i feel like it's really hard to talk about this show because every week i'm just like 
yeah, no notes. Uh, that was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like, every time the, the thing ends and I'm like, oh, also, Nicholas Bertel with those openings every week. I'm like, you are popping your fucking pussy with that. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I'm just like, damn, this show fucking slays. Like, I'll say, and or in the High Republic, you are the best part of Star Wars. You are the best part of Star Wars. Yeah, I I liked it. Just slay. I just wanted to put in a quick note here. Yes, Tales of the Jedi did also come out this week. We will not be covering it this week because we're co- Andor is not over yet. Um, we're going to cover it like after Andor is finished, but we will have thoughts on that as well. I know people will be like, and why aren't you talking about Tales of the Jedi? We're tr- trying to keep it focused. We're trying to keep it focused, people. Um, we will we will have some, some dedicated time to talk about that later. Um, but... It's Andor's time. Let's appreciate him. Are we ready to move on to everyone's favorite segment? Name that ship. Halloween edition. Imagine a thunderclap just there. Um, So we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, Normally we'll have like one or two people bring a ship, um, bring a fic. I have collected an assortment of Halloween themed ship, themed fan fictions. And because there's only the three of us, I think we can do this pretty, pretty rapid fire. So I'm going to go through and read a couple for you. And you guys will have to guess. And all of these have a Halloween spooky theme to them. Uh, Let's do it. So let me pull up the first one that I have. Some of them are a little bit unique. Um, But so like, so they're not all like, oh, ship a or like character a character b some of them it's like i want you to figure out who would get themselves into this scenario (laughs) um so yeah uh let's do uh the first one that i have here so this is rated for uh, general audiences there are no ships actually it's all like character just like friendships so the relationships are character a and character and character b not a ship Character C and character B, character B and original characters. So there's a bunch of just random guys in here. And then there's a bunch of characters that if I say any of them, we'll give it away. Um, But I just want you to guess like the main character who's involved in this. This is a summary. While on a quick recovery mission on an off-charted planet, something attacks the crew. Unable to see for sure, what it is, imaginations run wild as this character recalls the stories of the lunar beasts that another character told them about. When character A is bitten, they still aren't sure what to think, but life returns to normal, and there is a war to win. But a mission on Mimbim months later may prove that nothing ever goes back to normal. Is character A Thrawn? No. <laughs> or character B? No. Thrawn is not in it. Thrawn is not in it. No. Are any of them um, force this sensitive? Is, this, is, this is more of like a group of people that I want you to guess. So it's like the, the, main, the main character who is the person who has been bitten by this creature. I want you to figure out who that is. Who do you think would go to a planet and get bitten by a creature and become some sort of spooky thing? Okay, is it not Ezra the Re- Bridger? It's not Ezra Bridger, no. Is it the Rebels crew? No. <laughs> Is it someone from the High Republic? It's not, and it's not Luke Skywalker, no. Is it the 501st gang? 
No, but you're really close. The 501st gang is in this, so this does take place during the Clone Wars. Okay. Is it like freaking Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka? No. The care this no, it's they're it's adjacent not. to the 501st gang, is what you're yes, saying? Yes, yes. The Bad Batch? No, fuck no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is it what Plo Koon and the yes, Wolf Pack? It's the Wolf Pack. <laughs> The, the plot of this fanfiction is that Wolf has been bit by a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I guess that earlier? <laughs> yes, so basically this is a story where Wolf gets bitten by a werewolf, but no one knows if it's real. So everyone's like telling stories to each other, like being like, ooh, this is so spooky. And then Wolf's like, hey guys, you might want to see this. Wolf becomes the leveler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is Maya first fanfiction that I have brought to you today. So this one is rated G. It is character A slash character B, Roan Land slash Ferris Olin. Character A, character B, Ferris Olin, Roan Lands. Additional tags, space husbands, fluff and humor, pranks and practical jokes, board clone troopers, Sith shenanigans, Halloween costumes, Halloween, inappropriate humor. I can't believe I wrote this. This is so not canon that I'm not even trying. Funny, alternate universe, everyone lives, nobody dies, one shot, jump scares. Is this Cody Wong? It is not. Do you want to hear the summary? Yeah. It is Halloween on uh, Belasa. Ferris and Rowan want to continue the Belasa tradition of scaring the shit out of newly married couples, and they have the perfect idea. Jump scares. Costume jump scares. After all, Solace and her boyfriend, Lias, did it to them. Perhaps they should have remembered that their newly married couple of choice consists of whatever character A is and whatever character B is with an itchy trigger, trigger finger. So this is about these two characters trying to jump scare this main couple. Is it a Jedi and a clone? It's not a Jedi, but it is a clone. A force user and a clone. Yes, correct. And it's not Cody Wan. Not Cody Wan. Maul. One is Maul. <laughs> Rex? <laughs> no. Is member of the 501st? Jesse? Jesse. No. <laughs> Dogma? Yes. No. <laughs> I just did that randomly. It is Dogma and Maul. Dogma? Um, <laughs> doll? <laughs> yeah, so it is Dogma and Darth Maul getting jump scared on Halloween after just getting married. Why? I don't know, but I'm kind of obsessed with it. Maul and Dogma with Kana- with Legends gay characters is so... Uh, what's going through this person's mind? That's kind of bestie vibes. Yeah, it's very slay, but I gotta know what was going through their mind. I have, I have one more for you today. This is rated teen and up. It is character A slash character B. Character A, character B, three other characters who are not in the ship, but we'll immediately give it away. Alternate universe modern setting. Halloween. Halloween costume. Implied sexual content. Here's a summary. He looks at the flyer again with a sigh and laughs at how ridiculous it is all over again. A neon orange printout with heavy black blood dripping text that reads, Hanoween bash, bring your own booze, with a badly drawn ghost scribbled under it. It's pretty awful, entirely Han, yet this character finds himself giving in. Han is there, he is not in the ship. So there's one ship? There's one ship, Han is throwing a Halloween party and these characters are going. 
So there's one ship, and then who are the other ship. characters? Han is one of them. If I give away the other two, it'll immediately tell you who, who is. Are they shipped with each other, the other two? No. No one else okay. is shipped in this. They often are shipped, but they're just not together in this fic, or it's not important enough to tag it. Din and Luke? I don't it's know. It's not Din and Luke. This is an this is um an older fic. This is a pre-Mandalorian fic. Are they from the Clone Wars? No. Rebels? No. The original trilogy? One of them is from the original trilogy, yes. Lando. Lando is character B. Oh. In no, no, ship. I'm sorry. Yes. So it's someone with Lando. Mm-hmm. Who is shipped with Lando? That's a great Other question. Other than Han. It's not Han. It's not Luke. It's not Luke. This is not a character from the original trilogy. They from Solo? Rogue One? <laughs> They're from Rogue One. Oh, is it Bodie? It is Bodie. What? It is a Bodie slash Lando at Han's Halloween bash. You know what? Slay. I think that is hilarious. That's so good. I need to know the backstory, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. The Halloween girlies. Yeah, guys, Halloween inspires so much weird it's just, shit. It's so spooky and I love it. Yeah. Ha- uh, that was the last one that I have for you today. Aw, we did it. Our Halloween episode. Thank you all so much for coming to a very spooky episode of RuPaul's Padres. Oh. What if I read the entire outro in that voice? Uh, but anyway, for updates, um, Star Wars news, our reactions to Higher Public Phase 2, more stuff, you can follow us at Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, ask us a question, you can send it to our TikTok Q&A or email us, uh, Race at gmail.com. And if you really love our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, Overcast. It really helps us. And may the force be with you. And don't... Rip it up! Woo! Waka waka! Waka waka! Waka waka! waka.